Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. As always, it is wonderful to have you joining me this week. Now, before I tell you all about my guest this week on the show, I need to just first give you a quick update from my end. So you may be aware that I was planning on hosting my three-day personal brand journey called The Show Up. It was meant to be kicking off next week. However, our entire little family of four got absolutely smashed with influenza B here in Spain. So week four here in Spain, we're all just very, very sick last week. And as a result, I am just coming out the other side of it now. So pretty much lost two weeks in my business due to being sick. So I have decided to move the show up back a week to give myself a chance just to get my energy raging again, which is I want to be high vibe as humanly possible heading into this experience with you. And also just to give myself a chance to get it ready for you because I really want to make this an exceptional three days. I want it to be three of the most potent days that you have ever had in your business before. So quick update to the dates for the show up. It is now happening from Wednesday the 29th of March to Friday the 31st of March. If you have already registered, you are sweet you don't need to do anything else. But if you haven't registered yet, just jump to bolddarling.com forward slash show up to register. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Okay, on to this week's episode. I am so excited to bring you this conversation with a true blue trailblazer who is Kendall Summerhawk. Kendall is a pioneer in the women's entrepreneurial movement who began working as a coach in 2002, so 20, 21 years ago, aka a very different business landscape to coaches starting out today. Kendall's mission is to put the power of making money into every woman's hands. She is the creator of the Sacred Money Archetypes model and made her name as an expert in really helping women unlock both financial and business success for themselves by letting go of past money blocks in order to experience that deep soul level breakthrough in claiming their own worth. She has since evolved her business to focus on certified coach trainings, which we go on to talk about in our conversation. So in myself and Kendall's conversation, we talk about the very first steps she took towards coaching many moons ago, why she describes her first year in business as the year of fear and tears. I love this. The major disadvantage she sees entrepreneurs facing today, this was really, really powerful actually, coming from someone who started their coaching business over 20 years ago, what she sees as the, of course, all the advantages we have starting businesses nowadays, but also the one major disadvantage that we face that she didn't face 22 years ago. She also talks about the sacred money archetypes and how she created them. 
how she transitioned to a train-the-trainer model of certification programs, what she sees as the biggest blocks female entrepreneurs have when it comes to increasing their incomes, and, oh gosh, this this point was so powerful, the mistake that so many of us make of crawling into our clients' wallets. So listen on (laughs) to hear what she means by that. She also talks about why she believes coaching is a great business model and the one thing that you can do today to immediately increase abundance in your business. As you will hear, Kendall is a magnetic storyteller and I absolutely adored speaking with her. So let's bring on my conversation with Kendall Summerhawk. Hi, Kendall. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited. Oh, and I just love you're just so like rocking the American blowout right now. <laughs> this is what we call we tease you're my life goals. Tech. This is like Texas big hair. Yes. I it isn't it. actually a blowout. It's just styled a little bit. <laughs> you have done that yourself. Yes. Wow, I'm so impressed. We've actually got an Italian hairdresser in the hairdressing salon just next to my house. And he does, I call it my Texan blow dry. He does a full Texan blow dry. Yeah. It's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so thrilled to have you because I've actually heard your name quite a bit from Denise Duffield Thomas, who's a money mindset expert here in Australia and speaks so incredibly highly of your work. So I'm really excited to, to go to the source and learn more about you <laughs> and your business and particularly around sacred money archetypes as well, because mm-hmm. I think it's so, so powerful the work that you've done there. For the purposes of listeners getting to know you, could you share a little bit about your background before you got into business? Yeah, it's such a tough question. So I'll keep it really short because I think like a lot of us, I feel like I've had many lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that I'm not a college graduate. I was actually a career waitress for many, many years and then got into healthcare information systems. So the computer side of healthcare. And I did that for 13 years. And really, though, what I was in, I was designing software and running teams, but I was really into people. I'm fascinated by people and helping women and worked with a lot of women in healthcare. And then heard about coaching. I really got interested in personal development and self-help. Started listening to Tony Robbins back in the day, right? Yes. And got trained in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And I was in a, it was a nine-month NLP program. It was a three-day training every month. And I was in this NLP training and we're on lunch break. And I hear this woman talking and I couldn't help overhearing her. She's talking about getting on the phone and leading these classes on the phone and doing this thing on coaching. And I interrupted her conversation. I walked up. I said, I'm totally spying on you. I said, so let me understand this. You get on the phone. You get paid to talk on the phone and (laughs) help people. She said, yes. And she looked at me like I had three heads. She said, yes. And I said, oh my God, sign me up. That's what I want to do. Because I had been looking to be in business for myself the way that my mom always worked for herself, always raised. I have a brother who's a year younger. She always raised us that you need to work for yourself. You need to do something that's portable. Mm. Work for yourself, be creative, do something that's portable that you can do anywhere. So I grew up with that mindset. So when I heard about coaching through that girl, that gal, my mind was blown. It was like, that's it. That's for me. And then what happens? Tell me. Well, you know, I can make it sound like it was an instant pivot. But in truth, it was a period of time. I was really unhappily married 
for the second time. I've been married three times. I've been married like since the day I was born, but my husband calls himself Richard the third because he's my third husband. Um, <laughs> and his name is Richard. I love it. His name is Richard. We've been married over 20 years. So it's, it's good. But you know, really what happened is there was that pivot in that moment of knowing this is for me. And realistically, I'd have to think back about the years. It took like two or three years for me to, I moved back home to Arizona. I was living in the Northwest at the time and really to be able to find out, you know, how to make this work and how to be in business for myself. And I really though, you know, took the leap. I moved back home, sold my house, moved back home, had that little bit of a nest egg from the home sale and really lived on that for that first year, which was helpful because I made absolutely no money. And my first year of business, I call it the year of fear and tears. It was a very, very I love that. Year. The year of fear and my, tears. I'm stealing yeah. that. I've had several of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so really didn't know what I was doing. Literally did not know what I was doing. And I was networking, you know, and this, I've been in business now over 22 years. So this is before social media. And I was doing in-person networking in my hometown of Tucson and really not understanding who I was as a person. What was it that I could offer? Because of what I cared most about was changing women's beliefs. I mean, that's really what I cared about. And I know you're going to ask me about money in a second. We'll come mm. to that. But I reached a point where I really needed to get divorced. I mean, really needed to get divorced and was out of money. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to get a job. You know, I'm going to have to actually go get a job. And I printed out my resume to update my resume because that's what one does when one needs to go get a job. And I, looking at my resume printed, I felt like somebody had kicked me in the stomach. I felt like I was going to throw up. I felt like the biggest failure ever. And I will tell you, I, I'll never forget the moment. I looked at that and I had made no money. I think I'd made $7,000 for the whole year. Mm -hmm. But I decided in that moment, feeling like such an incredible failure, I literally picked my head up out of my hands and I said, no, this will not be my story. I cannot go back to a job. And so I recycled, you know, I shredded the resume. I went onto my computer. This was before I'd read Think and Grow Rich or anything like that. I went onto my computer and I deleted my resume file off my computer. I said, no, I am closing off any exit. I have got to make this work. Essentially and burning your boats. I'm sure you know that story. It is the burning boats. of boats, but I didn't yeah, know that's did it. what it was, but I just did it intuitively. I filed for divorce. And I'll tell you the week after I filed for divorce, it was fantastic because, and just so excited, interesting because my phone started ringing, you know, can you come speak here? Can you come speak there? I'd love to maybe, you know, think about hiring you as a coach or what is it you do? But really, it was in that moment learning that I decided to be a business coach, which I think is hysterical now because I'm really unsuccessful at being in yes. business. But I decided <laughs> in that moment, I want to coach women in business. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I could see for them what they can't see for themselves. That's what I knew. And that's what got me started as a business coach. Amazing. Can I just pause you for a second and just acknowledge starting a coaching business or any business 22 years ago, it's so easy for us now. We've got Zoom, we've got cheap internet, we've got zero yeah. for our bookkeeping. Like It's so easy now. I can't even get my head around the barriers to entry back then to you starting this business. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Huge. And I think at the same time, so thank you for that acknowledgement. I'll take mm. that because like most women, I tend to just, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I think the one thing back then that was easier because I've been thinking about this lately, was because of the lack of social media, 
while social media makes success in today's world, you know, really quite readily available, not having it also meant that I wasn't constantly faced with comparison of how mm. other people were doing. We literally didn't know it. And there weren't that many women in business. There weren't women making a lot of money. So while on the one hand, I didn't have those role models either, I also didn't have that comparison. And I think that that in a certain way for me personally, with my personality of being such a high achiever and really a perfectionist with myself, it really was a blessing. I'm mm. grateful. I did I not see that. that. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. You know, that's a really yeah. big point that you've made. Yeah. Because that comparisonitis, I've got a friend here in Australia called Melissa Ambrosini, and she talks, she's written a book called Comparisonitis about exactly mm-hmm. this challenge. And I think business is just rife with it. You're constantly holding yeah. up your business and your brand and your Instagram and your offerings and your prices against everyone else's. So yeah, for me, as you're talking about that, there's a real liberation in that idea mm-hmm. of not feeling mm-hmm. like you need to be benchmarking yourself against other people right. constantly, all day long. It was just what it was an open, us. it was an open pathway. So mm-hmm. I had to make my own, like I had to come up with my own ideas, like to be a million dollar business owner, you know, like just to come up with that idea because I didn't know anybody else doing it. I saw a couple of guys doing it, and that was it. But I didn't have the comparison. I just like, oh, I should be farther along or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I was freed in that way. Yeah, that's a really good point. So what happened then? So you said, okay, I want to be a business coach for female business owners. And then what happened? Yeah. I called you do three. It? How I did it was I called three people. This is yeah. terrible. I called three people. And this is before cell phones were looking like this. So literally I'm picking up the telephone and I'm nervous and I put it down and I pick it up and I start to dial and I put it down. But I ended up making the three phone calls that day and I invited each of them. I said, you know, they knew me from networking groups. And I said, you know, I don't know if you know that I do business coaching. (laughs) Of course they didn't know. I just decided. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, they said, no, I didn't know. And I said, yeah, I'm doing business coaching. And I was, and they were people, I hand selected these three people based on Secretly, I wanted them as clients, but also they would have been great referral sources for me. And they worked out brilliantly. So I coached them a little bit in that conversation. I was just asking as a referral source and all three ended up hiring me as their coach. So they were my first three clients. They just didn't know it. Amazing. So Kendall, I'm going to ask a question that I think probably a few listeners are are listening in on this and saying, you know, what... I'm going to be really direct with this question. What credibility, like what, what was your resource? Like what were your materials? What was your content? Because if you haven't had great business success yourself and then you're saying, hey, I'm offering business coaching and these three people say yes, yeah. which is, I think a testament to the rapport and the trust that they already had in you. What did you coach them? Did you get me? Yeah. So what I initially coached on was their pricing. And I think that I've always had not just a knack for money, but a real inner drive around money ever since I was a little girl. I mean, really like six and seven and eight years old and fascinated by money, interested in money. My mom has always worked for herself. She was a hairdresser and she was very successful with me growing with us growing up. And so I would help her do her books, quote unquote, you know, once a week back then she would get paid with cash and with checks. We would, you know, I would help her count it, create her bank deposit slip. So I was exposed to a woman making money in a day when most moms, most girls my age, their mothers didn't work at all. Mm. And so my mom worked. She was successful. She was very well known. She made money. We weren't wealthy, but we were a tick or two above middle class. And she was very good with her money, even though her systems are extremely simple. But the point is I got weekly exposure to that. Mm. So really, and then, so when I started with the, um, 
coaching with our, my first clients, I didn't have any preset materials, which is what I certify people in now, ironically, right? And it makes sense. But what I did is I just started asking them, tell me about your business. Tell me about your business. Who are you working with? And they were, I don't even remember what their businesses were. They weren't coaches, that's for sure. I can't remember what each of the three of them did. But you know, who are you working with? How much are you charging? How are you charging? Like, what's your pricing model? What are you selling? How often do people buy from you? So I think what really got me going was my insane curiosity, you know, my love of people, just really curious absolute fearlessness in terms of asking questions. Like I'm super nosy. I want to know all of it. And I don't have any judgment there. So they feel, you know, creating safety is a really important piece for me of being a coach, particularly a business coach. And so they've always felt this sense of safety with me because I just want to know so that I can help you. So I can be of service to you. And, you know, it was really obvious to me, it was as obvious as throwing spaghetti, you know, throwing red sauce on a wall, you know, it's like, Hey, there's your price. Your pricing's out of whack. Let's start. Let's look at that and creating bundles and what we would call packages now. And Mm. so that just came really naturally. And then what happened just to close this loop, what happened is that I started. So I really, you know, I really gravitated towards that. They got success. They were happy. I kept raising my fees because I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. So I, I raised my fees four times that first year. And really, again, focused a lot on pricing. And pricing is such an interesting topic because it is money. It's also who you work with, your packages. Like there's a lot of aspects that spin off of pricing. And pricing is a fundamental piece of your business. You have bad pricing, you're going to struggle to make money. And so ineffective pricing, I shouldn't say bad pricing. So what happened though, is that I'm a person who notices patterns, you know, very much a pattern person. So I started noticing clients having the same questions the same questions, the same issues, the same blocks around their money, et cetera. And so I started to create, because I am such a systems person and a pattern person. And so I started creating systems around this so I could make my life easier. And over a number, and then I got into high ticket, which we didn't call high ticket back then. We called it premium pricing or platinum pricing, got into that and really just fell in love with that and created these systems to where I could run a client through. It felt organic for them, but secretly it was a system. Like every one of my clients went through the same steps with Mm. me and then ended up certifying people starting in June of 2009, started certifying people in that system. And that today is what is the Money Breakthrough Business Coach. And then you're going to ask me about the archetypes, which I'm happy to talk about. So so many questions for you. So can I ask you then, what was the point that you felt like, okay, yes, I have this is getting traction. Obviously you were just divorced. Didn't sound like you got much cash to your name. Like, When did you know it was starting to work beyond those kind of three clients? I think that when I started signing on more clients, everything started to get a little easier. I'm not going to say it was easy, but it started to get easier. So, and you know, you start to find some traction within yourself to where, okay, I'm starting to feel confident. Like I've got a little bit of results here. I can do this again for somebody. And I think also because I'm an incredibly self-reflective person is I'm looking at going, okay, what am I doing that's working for them? And again, a pattern, what are the commonalities that my clients have? So I went from three clients to five. You know, when I was doing just private coaching, no groups yet, my maximum was like 13 clients. I'm really empathetic. So coaching too many people privately, it's energetically was hard for me, draining for me. So I got into group coaching very, very easy. And again, I challenge myself. I'm always looking for what is that next level. And so I got into groups pretty early on group coaching. And really the group coaching, 
that, you know, when I see what other people say of, of the marking, the markers where you should be at before you start doing group coaching, I did it much, much sooner than that. And I'm so glad that I did. You know, my first group was, I never remember if it was 10 people or 12, but it was one of those two numbers. And they were paying $200 a month for a four month group, which is not how I would charge for it. Now I would charge package price. And of course, groups with me are much more money, but I was still working out my pricing methodology. And so that really was a moment when I sold out that group using a few simple emails, I went, holy smokes. Okay. And I saw, cause I do my money tracking, which Denise DT talks about money tracking. That's for me. So when I was doing my money tracking, I saw the really overnight change in my revenue coming in from doing groups. I went, okay. And I didn't know it was called leveraged model at the time. I just knew, you know, coach a bunch of people at once is a good way to go. Amazing. And tell me then about this sacred May archetype. So we've kind of skirted around it a couple of times. Yeah. Where did that come from? It's just genius. How did you create it? You know, I'm going to give you a practical answer, but at the end of the day, it was divinely downloaded. I have to be honest with you. So there's a certain part where I don't take credit for it. I just take credit. I just am glad that I was open to receiving it. Yeah. I actually started out by creating the branding with archetypes. So I've always been fascinated with archetypes, with mythology history. So, you know, 14 years old, reading these kinds of books, super interested in it. And I think it's the storytelling aspect. And also when you think about it, a lot of the mythological characters are women and they're very strong. Most of them, they're not shy. They are strong, bold women who have issues and challenges and overcome them. And that always caught my attention. And archetypes, you know, archetypes and mythology are very closely intertwined. So it really came from that, you know, who knows why, like, I love horses. Why? Some people are terrified, never want to get near a horse. I love them. You know, I love horses and archetypes and jewelry and <laughs> fine <laughs> furniture and, you know, healthy food. So who knows what our, why we're interested in what we're interested in. But so the branding with archetypes is the first archetypal system and, and assessment, the quiz that I created. And it was a pretty big hit. And then I started noticing that there was a pattern to it that I started noticing certain things when I was coaching people on their brand archetypes. And they are different. Ultimately, the two systems, they are different systems. Branding with archetypes has 12 archetypes. Money, Sacred money archetypes has eight. They share some of the same archetypes, but not all of them. And so I started really researching and made a new quiz and asked a lot of questions and did like a year or two of research and, you know, just in the trenches, grassroots experimentation and created the quiz and the sacred money archetypes. And it just was an amazing experience to create it. My mom actually helped me quite a lot with it. And yeah, we spent about a year doing it and then it just took off and I love it. And you probably already know it's so uncannily accurate. Mm. And for me, I see everything through the lens of money. You know, I always say, how, you know, how you do money is how you do everything. And I see everything through the lens of money. And so I started applying it into my coaching. People are saying, oh, I'm having trouble attracting clients. Yeah, the problem's not about attracting clients. Let's look at your money archetypes. Let's look at how much money you've been making and where that might be challenging for your archetypes, whatever they are, because every archetype has its own issues and strengths and shadow and gifts with money. Mm. Can you guess what archetype someone is quite easily? You know, surprisingly, no, it just always amazed me. <laughs> I was like, but I created this. And so I would say only about 50% of the time. I mean, sometimes it's just incredibly obvious. It's a no-brainer. But a lot of times, no, you'd be surprised. 
So for me, I let go of needing to be the one who can guess the archetypes. It's like, that's not important to me. What's more important to me is that we get it right. So take the assessment, take, use that 10 minutes, take the assessment. And then we know, because as you know, we pay attention to your top. In those sacred money archetypes, we pay attention to your top three archetypes. We also actually pay attention, a little bit of attention to your last archetype. And then we go from them there and we dive in deeply into it. I love, you know, one of my hallmarks as a coach is the topic is money, of course, but really it's about diving deep. And I can coach somebody in three, four minutes, whatever issue they're having, particularly in their business, just relating it through their archetypes, seeing it through that lens. And we're good to go in like three to five minutes. If someone wants to do the quiz, where can they find it on your site? Yeah, we'll pop it in the show notes. Sounds great. Grab it in the show notes. I'm a ruler. Of course you are. (laughs) And when I figured out what I was, it was like, like you said, it's uncanny. It's me. Do you know what your second and third archetypes are by any chance? No, just that's all I got back from the quiz. Yeah, well, we'll make sure offline. We'll make sure because it does make a difference. So I'm ruler also. I'm ruler, maverick, and accumulator. And it Mm -hmm. makes sense that then we're all about empire building. The ruler is, and just the way you said it, I'm a ruler. It's like, well, of course you are. Rulers are interesting. Well, they're all interesting. I kind of wanted to be a romantic and then I'm like, yeah, I'm actually a ruler. I'll tell you though, the archetypes, this is true in both sacred money and branding. There's always some overlaps. They're not clean, discrete lines in between Mm. each. And so every archetype shares some characteristics with others. And I think that for rulers, there's a little bit of sharing of characteristics, a little bit, tiny bit could be with celebrity or with romantic in that Rulers can absolutely, they love finer things. Rulers are all about the finer things in life. And they like it, though, for a different reason than a celebrity or for a different reason than the romantic. You know, the inner motivation is very, very different. Mm. And I think it's the maverick in me. That maverick is second for me, where, you know, when I look at ruler, maverick, and accumulator, I'm a great saver. And I always say if the ground in Arizona wasn't so darn hard. Like I'm the person who would dig a hole in the ground and put money in a little coffee can. And <laughs> I'm super secretive of money and that's all about accumulator. But ruler and maverick, for example, just as a quick thing is, you know, ruler is about supporting other people with, to create money. Absolutely. And is a builder, it's a building type of yes, personality. Yes. Yeah. It's not the quick win necessarily. No. It's a building type. But the maverick is that quick. And so for me, like I'll do a big pivot and then I build for a few years. Then I do another pivot and then I build for a few years. Mm, Yeah. Fascinating. I find it absolutely incredible that you created it. So you've talked a little bit about the fact that you've now created certification programs. So do you do Mm -hmm. any one-on-one coaching anymore? I actually don't accept, not private, private People who are in certification with me get a weekly call with me so they can, but it's a group call, but we coach on the group. Yeah. Yeah. So what motivated that transition from coaching to training essentially? Because that's really the shift we're talking about, isn't it? Correct. And the certification. So I was running, so I was running very large group coaching programs, made millions and millions of dollars doing that. You know, we'd have anywhere from 130 to close to 200 people at various levels in our group programs. Yeah. And we did that. And I did the workshop model, got really good from selling from the stage where we'd have a few hundred people in the room, plus another three or 400 on live stream. So we did that model for a really long time. And we were running like between six and eight events a year. And quite truthfully, I got burned out. I got burned out from doing it. The events, my events were very posh. And so they were very expensive to run. I had a few members of my team at that time that they were quite toxic for me. And I got pissed and burned out. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do it this way anymore. And I remember laying in bed one night, adding up the amount of time I was spending 
waiting in airports, packing, flying. I hate flying. I get airsick. It's not my thing. Being in hotels, you know, and the thrill of staying in a fancy hotel, which I've stayed in a lot of, it wears off fairly quickly. I mean, it's still nice. And trust me, I love, appreciate a good Ritz Carlton, but it's not the same as being home with my horses. So I started adding up all this time. And I said, you know what? I'm not willing to give up weeks of that out of my life every year. No. This is not for me. So luckily, I think my last event, I think was in 2017, spring of 2017. And luckily with the pandemic, you know, I had already transitioned out, but I was running certification parallel because we've been certifying people since 2009. So it was always a parallel track. We would sell it, I would sell it from the stage primarily. And so when I stopped doing the big group coaching programs, you know, I needed to honor my contracts, of course, with clients. So I phased those out and just devoted myself 100% to certification, which I absolutely adore. I adore certification because to me, you know, my whole mission is to put the power of making money into every woman's hands. That's my whole mission to put the power of making money into every woman's hands. And so certification creates that ripple effect. I certify somebody either in sacred money archetypes or as a money breakthrough business coach, and they go on and they change their life, but they also change the lives of the clients they're coaching. So the ripple effect is quite, mm-hmm. yeah, you're having so much that's more my impact. legacy. Yeah. yeah a lot more. Impact. Total sense. So and I just think certification is cool. Oh, completely. I was going to say, I just think being certified is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) I just like it. Yeah. (laughs) And I love teaching people how to coach. You know, I coach in a very particular way and I have a body of work called the courageous coaching method and that teaches somebody, regardless of what they're coaching on, this is how you coach someone to create very powerful results in a short amount of time, very short amount of time per session. So, so I love teaching people that because to me, it's a skill and it's magic all at the same time. How's it changed my lifestyle? You know, my lifestyle evolves, I would say, year after year, more and more and more time outside with my horses, even less and less and less fixed commitments on my calendar. Yeah, that's how it's changed. And you're happier, obviously, even talking about it, you look so happy. I love it. I love my lifestyle. It's just me. It's not for everybody, but I can, like, you know, I can go a week without getting in a car and having to go anywhere. And that makes me so happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere to be. So tell me, Kendall, you've obviously made a lot of money in your mm-hmm. career and you've helped a lot mm-hmm. of other women make a lot of money in their businesses. Mm-hmm. What do you see are the three biggest blocks that female entrepreneurs have when it comes to unlocking more abundance in their business? I think number one is they undercharge. That is an epidemic. And I don't say that lightly. So that's huge. That's huge. So not, you know, everybody needs to raise their prices, as we say here in the U.S., you guys like to say, put put up your fees, I think, or put up your prices. Yeah. You know, 50% of our clients are non-North American. It's really interesting. So we're used to clients all over the world. So certainly one of the biggest blocks is not charging enough or undercharging. I think another block is not going high ticket, what we used to call premium or platinum. And I had the barest glimmer of seeing high ticket in like 2007 and said, it was one of those pivotal moments said, oh my God, I am intrigued. I want to do this. It changed my life. I mean, I went from whatever amount I was making, not very much like 80 grand a year to, I literally made over $125,000 literally overnight. And then the first time I made a million dollars was in 2008. And it's all because of high ticket and it wasn't lots and lots of clients. So I think not char- undercharging, not embracing high ticket and all that that means. High ticket is about so much more than just how much you charge. It's about how you think about yourself, your whole self-concept. It's about how you really focus on results for clients, 
what their experience is like. It's about holding people as powerful that they can step up and invest. I always say, don't climb into someone else's wallet. You it's about me. Sure. So many times women will prejudge or they'll assume that someone can't pay. Well, I don't, you know, they'll think, well, I don't want to offer something more expensive or too expensive because my client may not be able to pay that. Or gosh, they have a child in college. They may not be able to pay it or this and that, whatever. It's like, this is a hello, people stop making up these hallucinations in your mind. Do not climb into someone else's wallet. Let them make that. Yeah, let them make that decision. There's been so many times where I myself have experienced that if somebody had done that to me, they would have literally robbed me of an opportunity to step up in a way that was challenging and upsetting sometimes and frightening and terrifying and all those things. But I did it and I here today as this person because of it. And I've seen it so many times on the other side, the client side, they go through those same experiences. Don't take away that opportunity for somebody. Mm. So that's so high ticket. I can get on a big soapbox about it. Yeah. And, I, and then the third thing this is a huge block is... Women are not, for a lot of reasons, we don't have time to get in here to, today, but into today, but women are not accustomed to having money. So women are starting to make a lot of money. I mean, just within the last 10 years or so, especially with online, you know, a lot of women can make a lot of money. So they're making it, but making money is different than having it. And so this is my accumulator coming into the conversation. And so women, I mean, I know women who've made half a million dollars, million dollars a year have no, and they have no money. It's like, and they still have tons of debt. And it's like, what's going on there? So again, I'm a person who notices patterns. So what I see is that I always say women, you want to be like Velcro with money. You don't want to be like Teflon. Teflon, you know, you just it's a thing in the United States where a Teflon pan where yeah, it's a nonstick coating. It just yeah. slips right off. Don't be like Teflon. You want to be like Velcro. You want the money to stick to you. Yes. And there's some very particular habits, little tiny behaviors that make a huge difference in that happening. And so I think that's a big deal for women is they're not used to being the person who actually has money mm-hmm. because all of a sudden they stand out. They're the tall poppy, right? Maybe yeah. they're making more than their spouse or partner. They're making more than their parents. They're making more than their friends. You know, And so there's a lot, again, just like high ticket, this is an opportunity to use this as a mirror. You know, Money is always a mirror. To use this as a mirror for our self-concept and for elevating our self-concept and becoming, you know, who am I as the woman who has a lot of money? Mm. And, you know, I've gone through it myself. And so, because I grew up with my, as I said, my mom made pretty good money, but she's a super high accumulator. So we lived pretty frugally, but I was beyond poor in my first couple of decades of being on my own. I was beyond poor. I was dead flat ass broke. I mean, like we didn't know where food was coming from, you know, when I left home. So with my first husband, so you know, I know what it feels like to have food scarcity or food instability and those kinds of resource instabilities. And so I'm a big time keeper of money. I like having money. <laughs> when you say this little example, the smallest habits that can make a big difference to make that switch from being mm-hmm. from Teflon to Velcro, can you give us mm-hmm. a couple of examples like sure. the clients? What are the kind of the behaviors that you recommend to them that they could adopt? The simplest behavior ever is that when money comes into, well, First of all, you need to have a money date. You cannot just let money, and now everybody pays their stuff online, which is fine, but it cannot be willy-nilly. You still have to have, you want to create control and authority. You'll love that, Miss Ruler. And structure and systems to how your bills are paid. 
Even if you're like, oh, but I don't, you know, I'm always juggling. No, you've got to get out of all that drama. Juggling is code for drama. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But the other thing that's so simple is when money comes into your bank account, let it sit there. Let it sit there for a week, for seven days. Let it sit there with and have and go through the experience. Allow yourself the felt sense experience of having that money sit there and look at it every day. Log into your online banking, look at it and let it sit there. And I don't care if it's $50, 500, 5,000, 50,000, whatever, it doesn't matter. Notice what happens for you. Notice where you are uncomfortable. Why are you uncomfortable? What are your thoughts about that? Notice where you want to quickly divest yourself of the money. And it's more than just for one day. You really need to do it for a good solid week as a starter. And so that you kind of go through whatever roller coaster you're going to go through and start to notice what comes up for you. And then you start working on those things that come up for you. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I used to pay my invoices. Yeah. As they came in. And then yeah, the second no. Thursday of every month now is, I call it my allocations day and that's everything gets oh, that's paid. Nice. But, but it's lovely to feel that you're so right. And I haven't ever thought about what I'm doing that just to know that that money is building Obviously, a chunk of it needs to go out to suppliers and all the things, tax and so on. But just to feel what it's like to have that amount of money, I think that's a beautiful Correct. practice. Thank you for sharing. It, you are welcome. It's such a great practice. And plus, these days, I don't know what it's like outside the U.S., but business bank accounts in the U.S. don't earn any interest. And so these days, interest rates are pretty high. And so like even to move that money to an account for a week as you have more money coming in, move it to an account for a week. And then I play games like, well, how much of it can I leave in that savings account Mm -hmm. where it's gaining interest, you know, personal, because anyway, this gets into more, all my money systems are incredibly simple. I run my business with a pencil and the calculator that's on my phone. That's it. I don't like spreadsheets. My team knows, please don't give me a spreadsheet. I'm going to absolutely (laughs) cry. That's so refreshing to hear that. I can't do it. It makes me just feel trapped. And so... I keep it really, really simple, but I'm very particular about it, but really simple. And I have a bookkeeper who does payroll and all that. And she gives me my reports and I look at them every month, but they're not in spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need pie charts in my financial report. Pie charts are okay. They're good. Love, pie the pictures. Love a pie chart. <laughs> Where's the money coming from? Where's it going? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So why do you believe, obviously you have built your business on coaching and it's been mm-hmm. a, a great move for you by, you know, mm-hmm. to all, all appearances and what, from what you're saying. Yeah. Why do you think coaching is such a great space to be in? And I just need oh. to just say for any listeners, we're not saying that coaching is for everyone. But why do you personally, Kendall, feel like it's been so helpful for you? I'll try not to cry. I just think it's like, I think it's like the best industry on the planet Mm. for women. I really do. And it's funny because I'm going to think back to what my mom said when we were growing up. It's creative. You're working for yourself and it's portable. And in this day and age, It doesn't, if you go high, if you do the things we're talking about, if you go high ticket, especially, and we have ways we get, you know, not everybody jumps straight into being the most expensive. High ticket is a process, but anyway, but I think it's such a phenomenal industry because I think it taps into a woman's basic desire to be of service and to help people, you know, and no, no matter what your archetypes are, women love to help. I mean, I adore helping people. It's like one of the best things on the planet for me is to be able to help someone. I love it. And so, you know, with coaching, you're making that, you are literally making a difference for people. Maybe in that session, certainly over a span of time, you're helping people, you're making a difference. And when you learn how to do it and with practice and you get good at it, it's actually very easy and it's energetically, if you coach the way that I teach coaching, 
you're never burned out. You're never drained or anything like that. When coaches tell me, oh, I love coaching, but I'm so drained. It's like, well, then you're not doing it right. You're doing it wrong. And I think also the opportunity to make money is unbelievable. I mean, what other industry, I'm sure there are some, but I'm not aware of them where you can make this kind of money and to make it this quickly and to have it be very high profit margins, Mm. especially in the first few years of your business, very, very high profit margins. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Now, something I love about you and how you operate is that you really seem to find a lot of time for your passions. So yeah. I love you've mentioned your horses more than you've mentioned your yeah. husband in this conversation. Yes, and he's aware. He'll be aware. Believe me, he'll notice. Let's go. <laughs> he will watch this interview and he'll remind me of it. Yeah. So have you done, like, has that always been the case like throughout? Because it sounds like you're in a different season in your business now than when you were running you know, those five or six events every year and flying and so on. Have you always managed to make time for your personal? Pressure? I have always managed to make time. So it's, it is different now. It's much more extensive. It used to be, it's like, okay, I've got one hour. Let me run outside. My horses live on property with me. So I don't board out. And that's been true for like 20 years. So, so, you know, it's like, it used to be, I've got one hour. Let me run out, you know, quickly ride and then run back in. And, you know, not doing zoom, just being on the phone. It didn't matter that I had helmet hair. Yeah, yeah, true. Sure. So what's different now, and it was a conscious decision, is that I spend, I mean, minimum of two hours. Sometimes it's three. A lot of times it's three hours is about average. And sometimes it's four hours. I do it first thing in the morning. And part of that is part of that is because they are the priority. The other part is because of our weather here in Arizona in the summer, it's really freaking hot. And so you have to start early. I have horse help. I don't clean stalls or anything like that. I mean, I have full-time helped. We have four horses. I treat them like we have 20, but I have four (laughs) horses. And so I, you know, that the harder physical part somebody does for me, but, and that's been true for a long time, but it's really setting it as a priority. It's a priority. And where do you put your priorities? Do you put your priorities first? So it's first in my day. And I mean, you know, my team knows do not schedule me for anything before 11 o'clock in the winter time, because the temperature has to adjust a little bit or before 10 o'clock in the summertime. So they just don't do it ever. Typically, they don't schedule me for anything before noon, my time, typically. Mm. I really keep my calendar, you know, I'm a lover of freedom. And so I keep my calendar really free. So it's really just about, I think because I grew up with my mom who had such clear boundaries and was super just very clear and she was immovable about them. And I watched her run her business and she works five days, worked five days a week, but as a hairdresser, but you just, when you see good boundaries and what that looks like, I just make sure that that happens mm. here. Yeah. So it is the first in the day and the time frame, and then having help. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. I think it's really yeah, inspiring welcome. to see someone who is so successful like you are and still not retains a part of them, but I feel like you're a walking, talking example of someone who works to live and to create that lifestyle rather mm-hmm. than, you know, it's 99% work and then 1% squeezing in all the other things. Like it feels like yeah. you've got that balance thing going on. I think it, I think so at this point in the early days, it was more rushed. The horses, I mean, they're living animals, it's not a bicycle. You can just park in the garage. Yeah. They're living animals. <laughs> and before I had help, you know, my husband would help clean and feed, but I still need to work the horses, school the horses. But anyway, in the back then we only had two horses, but I think that it, what's changed. So back, it was a squeeze, you know, it was definitely a squeeze, but they still were always there. So I think the big shift has been, it's less rushed, more time, and quite truthfully, the time outside, you know, I'm a real outdoor lover and the time outside is, you know, that's where I come up with my best ideas. I don't come yes. up with my best ideas sitting at the front of the computer. Really it's being out there point. with the horses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage everybody. And even in the beginning, 
it's funny because we teach this, we teach people how to have a freedom-based coaching calendar, right? As a coach. And what I teach is the same coaching schedule today. It's pretty much other than it's groups instead of one-on-one, it's the same schedule that I had 15 years ago, 18 years ago. So I really set it up in the beginning to have you know, certain weeks of the month off. I only coach on certain days, certain times. And so I already had really good parameters and then I just shrunk them down even more Mm, (laughs) as time went on. Yeah. Mm. The word that comes to mind when you talk about your life, and I feel like I've got two small children and all the things, there's a spaciousness to your life that sounds really, really enriching and nourishing. Yeah. I love that word spaciousness. And it's, yeah. And I think it takes effort, you know, really, I think it takes attention and intention Mm-hmm. And it does take effort and it takes organization. And I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, it's not always easy in that respect, but I'm also really good. This is one of the advantages when you make more money, you can throw money at a problem and yes, money can yes. fix a lot of problems. You can't fix them all, but it can fix a lot. And like, I just don't take no for an answer. And again, my mom ran a really tight ship. She worked five days a week. It was myself and my brothers a year younger. And the house was clean. We had home cooked meals and she sounds like superwoman. It wasn't that everything was just done very simply. We had our baths at night. We were tucked in at night. There wasn't a lot of drama or chaos in the house because she just didn't tolerate it. It just didn't happen. You just learned early. It got you nowhere. <laughs> you know, you could beg and plead and cry for something until you were blue in the face. And my mother was not going to change her mind. If it was a no, it was stayed a no, no matter how many times you begged. So we learned pretty early on and we learned about creating simplicity. I am not a simple person. I'm a complex person. I'm a high strung and high maintenance person. So I have to have spaciousness. Otherwise my anxiety gets better of me. Yeah. So, that's so, so I don't want people to think I'm sitting here like, Oh, meditating. It's all good. It's like, Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense though. You know, if you are, yeah. and I would, I, I would empathize a lot with what you're saying around that highly strong, high maintenance. That's you mm-hmm. do need that spacious to, to balance the seesaw yeah. almost with that. Yeah. So the last question I wanted to ask you, Kendall, was what's one thing that listeners can do right now to increase abundance in their lives and businesses? Raise your prices. Honest to gosh, it makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, I just to make up some numbers, you know, you can sell 10 people at 100 bucks and you're going to have a thousand dollars. What is it? Yeah, a thousand dollars. But you can sell three people at five thousand dollars. You have fifteen thousand dollars. And it just makes such a difference. And I think that even more importantly, or equally as important is that you will be confronted, you will be faced with all of your thoughts about yourself and about other people, you know, all these thought viruses about being able to charge more money that are already present within a person. See, the thing is wanting to charge more saying, oh, well, I I will when, no, no, no. That's a form of giving up your power saying, oh, I'll do this when is not, that's not a strategy. That's a form of giving up one's power. When you say, I'm going to raise my fees and I'm going to raise them a little bit now. And then to get two clients, raise them some more, get two more clients, raise them some more. That's a strategy. That's not giving up your power. That's a strategy. And when you do that, you change from the inside out and you will, you'll just never look back. I promise you, you'll never look back. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I really love healing. You know, my focus is women healing a woman's relationship with money, you know, and the healing takes place through these outward these external looks like pricing and how much money you have in the bank account. And those are just external constructs that we use as a device, if that makes sense, to heal our relationship with money. Because mm-hmm. you're in relationship with money the rest of you until your dying day, mm-hmm. guaranteed. Yeah. You're in relationship. Totally agree. 
Oh, I have loved talking to you. Is there <laughs> anything you. else you feel like we've missed or any gaps, anything oh else gosh. you would like to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. We covered a lot of territory. <laughs> so I would say the only, I'm impressed. I know we're both, well, we're rulers, like we're going to get it true, done. True. <laughs> no messing around. I think that it's just believe in yourself. Know that whatever negative story you might be telling yourself or whatever I can't story is just that. It's just a story and it's most likely not even your voice. It's something from when we're little, but just really believe in yourself that you, if I'm sitting here as a career waitress and a girl who went through such hardship in my younger adult years, really hardship. If I can sit here as a self-made multimillionaire, not just having made it, but actually possessing it, you know, having it, then you can do it. You can do it. Absolutely. Get started. <laughs> Thank you. Can yeah, you just come welcome. live in my house and give me pep talks every day? So good. <laughs> sure, I can do that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kendall. You're welcome. Thank you. My pleasure. There you have it, the brilliant Kendall Summerhawk. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with her. If, to find out more about Kendall, you can visit her website, kendallsummerhawk.com. Or you can follow her on Instagram at Kendall Summerhawk. Please do remember that coming up very soon is my free three-day personal brand experience called The Show Up. From Wednesday 29th to Friday 31st of March, I will be stepping you through the three key pillars to making your personal brand sing. So it is day one is strategy, day two is mindset, and day three is content. So go to boldsdarling.com forward slash show up to register. And thank you so much again for listening to this week's episode. It is always a joy to put together these episodes for you. And I greatly appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And I'll chat to you again next week. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss an episode. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, and requests for future topics on what I share here on the show. So please do reach out via my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au, or connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor. I would also love if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps even more brilliant listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much again for listening this week. Thank you.